0: Love Talk Radio. radio. Lights in the skies broadcasting lies billions of people. Cameras on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. There you
1: show is brought to you by the Appleseed Project, which is a sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. And the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is not a bunch of guys prancing around in frilly shirts, uh, sipping tea with their little fingers in the air. It's an organization dedicated to bringing you the absolute best two-day rifle marksmanship clinic, teaching the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship in the United States today. The absolute best. Uh, we've got a long uh, track record of doing the best job in the nation at bringing folks into the shooting sports, uh, teaching them the fundamentals. And when I say fundamentals, of course, I'm not talking about the basics. I'm talking about the foundational skills and techniques that you're going to need, no matter where your shooting path leads you. You're still going to have to uh, have a stable shooting position. You're still going to have to be able to... uh, get in sustainable, repeatable uh, positions of standing, sitting, and prone. You're still going to have to make mag changes. You're still going to have to execute the shot by the six steps. You're still going to have to exercise uh, trigger control. Uh, you're going to have to uh, be able to control your breathing while you're making the shot. These are all the things that you're going to need throughout your the rest of your life of shooting, and that's whether you shoot at tin cans or deer or competition the fundamentals are what are going to get you get you through every shot that you make for the rest of your life. And we do the absolute best job of instilling those fundamentals and uh, teaching you those skills and techniques, all right? <clears throat> if you want to find out where to go to find out where an seed two-day rifle marksmanship event is, then go to rwva.org. That's our home page. On the top of the page, there's a list of tabs across the top. Uh, I think the second one from the left says Appleseed. Put your cursor on that. You're going to drop down menu. On the drop down menu, select Schedule. That'll take you to a page that has a map of the United States on there. Just put the cursor on the state that where you wish to attend an event, and you can click on that. Or if you want to see if you live in a state that uh, that if you live close to a uh, a border in your state and you want to see what's happening in the state next to you or something, maybe at the same time, then you can uh, go to the hot link that's embedded in the text above the map and click on that, and that'll give you a, a listing of all the events that are going on across the United States today. And we've uh, really grown from the days where we were doing only 50 shoots in a year. All we right, right? We've, we've expanded tremendously. So now we're doing shoots all across the United States every weekend of the year somewhere within a reasonable driving distance of you is an appleseed rifle marksmanship two day weekend and uh, i'm telling you folks you cannot beat it uh for the for the price we're <clears throat> the same price that we've always been all right we started out at $70 a person for two days of instruction and a t-shirt uh, and we've stayed at that price uh for the last uh well last 6 years and uh, i imagine we're going to be staying at that price uh for a while anyway and there there is no comparable uh, event that you can go to that's only going to cost you 70 bucks for 2 days uh, the, the the nearest you're going to get is uh dollars 350 something like that and it can be a great deal more and for the skills and techniques that you're going to be learning, it is an absolute bargain. And the seventy dollars for two days price—that's—that's <clears> uh, that's if you don't have to fall into uh, one of the many free categories that we have, uh, or that, or you're not a woman or a child. Uh, if you're law enforcement or active duty guard or reserve, you're going to be shooting free for the weekend. If uh, if you have, uh, uh, if you have some type of, <clears throat> uh, I don't want to say this without getting into trouble with everybody. The only people been, I won't get in trouble with the people that uh, uh, that have been uh, physically injured or have some kind of physical challenge. They they're usually pretty good about it. It's Just uh, the other people who feel they like it, they have to defend them. <clears throat> anyway, if you have some type of a disability, then. Uh, uh, we have adaptive apple seed, and that is uh, where uh, we'll do everything possible to get you in line and get you shooting. We don't care if, you, uh, if you're if you missing an arm or a leg or some fingers or whatever it is, or if you're in a uh, uh, a wheelchair or if you need uh, crutches, whatever it is. We're dedicated to getting you in a line and letting you uh, experience the heritage uh, of shooting at an Appleseed event it's called the adaptive appleseed program and uh, you'll be shooting free too <clears throat> and you let us know and we'll do we'll we'll move uh, uh everything out of our way in order to uh to make sure that you can attend the event and learn a lot just like everybody else there <clears throat> if you uh if you're a woman uh you're only gonna be paying ten bucks if you're a child you're only gonna be paying five bucks. And uh, every, they, women and children were free, but uh, we just ran into some problems with uh, folks uh, when they didn't have anything invested in it uh, saying, well, I know I signed up for an event this weekend, but I've got uh, this or this or this I need to do instead, and it's free anyway, and uh, I'll just go uh, next time. And uh, that's fine. That's good, except that it was causing us trouble with uh, with paperwork. And having folks uh, scheduled to to come to events or or taking spaces that could be used by other folks. Anyway, we put uh, five dollar and ten dollar charge on there, at least so you have at least a little tiny dog in the hunt. And uh, that's still for women. That's still 60, 60 bucks off the seventy dollar price, uh, and uh, two hundred and forty bucks off the uh, the price of any uh, remotely comparable. Uh, event, and there is no comparable event. There's nobody out there doing what we do. all right? Nobody. Nobody does this anymore. We're the only people doing it, well, and especially with the degree of professionalism that you'll find in an Appletean event. Now, you're going to get shooting. You're going to get uh, the history of April 19, 1775, which is the day that our nation began, and we're going to start you off with telling you about how this came about, the folks that were involved in the events of April 19th, 1775, uh, about the events that occurred at Lexington, at the North Bridge in Concord, uh, along Battle Road back to Boston, who was involved, why they did it, and what happened uh, on that day. You're going to get that, and then you're also going to get a uh, a rock-solid foundation in safety. But wait, there's more you're also going to meet some of the best folks that uh, our nation has to offer. Every time I go to an Apple Seed Rifle Marksmanship event, the line is filled with the absolute best folks in the nation. And you have to worry, it's not a bunch of uh it's not a line from end to end filled with uh sog, uh spec ops, uh operators, etc. Uh this is Americans from every every walk of life. All right, you'll find uh, grandmothers we had uh, we've had plenty of 70 75 year old ladies shooting uh, alongside uh, uh 7 year old uh girls uh 8 year old boys uh doctors lawyers uh, farmers hunters uh ranchers nuclear physicists uh, you name it you will find folks uh from all walks of life on the line. and they're not just a uh it's not just a rabid group of right-wing, uh, hardcore Republicans standing shoulders to shoulder, uh, waving uh, George Bush signs, uh, because there's no politics at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. All right, right? Nine. at least none, none that are newer than 230 years. All right, let me I'll qualify it that way. The Appleseed program Rifle Marksmanship. Rifle, heritage, shooting Doesn't belong to any particular party It belongs to all Americans So when you're at an event Don't expect uh, don't expect to be harangued by uh, Anybody's political Beliefs or anything else Number one, we don't allow it So don't come here worried about hearing it And uh, don't come Expecting to be able to do it Because <clears throat> we've got too much to do To be talking about politics So We're going to concentrate on the shooting, and you're going to enjoy it. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to start the day off by setting yourself a goal of improving your rifle marksmanship, and I can guarantee you that you're going to meet and then exceed that goal. You're you're going to improve your rifle marksmanship. Now, I'm not going to tell you that we're going to make you a a high-power shooter in one weekend, although I've seen folks come out to an event without any prior shooting experience and shoot to rifleman standards, high rifleman standards, 235, 240, by the end of the weekend. Uh, Some folks, uh, here's the best thing. Some folks listen more. Some folks listen more and do what we say, because generally uh, uh, the, the, the largest part of the folks that do this are women who haven't been shooting before. And why, you ask, is this? Well, because, because the women don't come to an event bringing a lot of baggage with them, at least a lot of shooting baggage. All right, let me qualify that because I've seen women with baggage out there before. Women don't come to an event bringing a lot of shooting bad shooting skills with them. Usually that they come to an event and they, they figure, look, I, I don't really know what i'm doing i don't i don't really have anything to compare this to and contrast it with or say that i think i like doing it the way i I was doing it before i got here better they say you know what i don't have any idea what i'm doing so i better listen to the instructors i better listen to what they're doing and follow the instruction and bam i've given out more patches to women because of that than uh, than probably almost any other categories now sure you'll have folks the come-to-event guys and girls that have been shooting for a while, and all they need is just uh, uh, the last few skills and techniques of the fundamentals uh, in order to elevate their shooting skills, their shooting prowess, elevate it to rifleman standards. But for the most part, you're going to set yourself a goal of improving your rifle, marksmanship, and and you're going to meet and then exceed it. That's going to be the, the case Uh, Across the board, and and then you're going to look around, and your ears are going to be open more. Your mind is going to be open more, and you're going to say the logical follow-on question to that is what's next, right? You set yourself a goal, and you meet it, and the the great majority of folks say, okay, uh, I set myself a goal. I met it, so what's next? What goal do I set next that I can meet and exceed? Because I've already proved that I have the ability within me to do that. I have the the ability to set a goal for myself, and then I have the ability to meet that goal and exceed it. And the generally the, the folks you find on an AppleSeed line are just that type of folks. All right, I set a goal. I met it. I exceeded it. Now I'm going to set another goal. What's my next goal? So apple seed is kind of like a launching pad. You know, we're going to get you there, we're going to talk to you about rifle safety, about rifle marksmanship, about American heritage, about the folks who came before you. Because this nation didn't just, uh, you didn't create this nation. None of, nobody living today was at the birth of the nation. Nobody living today uh, participated in helping to create the nation. Somebody else did. Somebody else created this nation, and they handed it off to somebody else. And then those folks handed it off to somebody else, and then way down the line here, somebody handed it to us. And they didn't hand us uh, a bag of crap. They handed us an intact, functioning nation. Yes, there's problems with it. Sure, there is. There's a lot of problems with the nation. Uh, And one of the things that we're going to talk to you about is shouldering your part of the responsibility for helping to uh, fix the problems, to shoulder your part of the sacred obligation to safeguarding the rights and freedoms that uh, you enjoy by virtue of living in this nation. Mm -hmm. However, you didn't get that nobody handed you a completely busted-down, non-working machine. They handed you one of the absolute best forms of government on the face of the planet today. And I don't care what you say about this nation. Obviously, if you're listening to the radio show, there's a good chance that that you're not part of the Hate America group. But I'm telling you that this nation, why are so many people trying to get to this nation? Why are so many people risking their lives every single day? Not just a few, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people risking their lives to get to this nation. If it sucks so bad, why would they be coming here? And the answer is because this is one of the best nations on the face of the planet. With all of the problems that we have, with all of the, the foibles in our, of, of the people here, we still have the best uh, system the most freedoms, the most liberty on the face of the planet today. But the only way it's going to stay that way is by making sure that you do your part part to get involved. You do your part to stand on the wall and safeguard the freedoms and liberties that you enjoy by living in this nation, by being an American citizen. They're not going to save themselves. They're not going to be there forever unless there's somebody to safeguard them somebody to protect them somebody to maintain those freedoms and those liberties <clears throat> uh it's a very common saying that uh, all uh all evil needs to succeed is for good men to do nothing and that is absolutely 100 and 10% true there's there's always a push there's always a push on the other side of the wall. Always. There is always evil. There is always bad. There is always uh, hate and uh, and anger and, and, and evil. Pushing. It's always there. And it has to be pushed back. The wall has to be held up. I don't mean a wall between us and any other country. I'm talking about the wall between good and evil. I'm talking about the 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 duty that all good men and women have to push back, to hold the wall, not just sit there and do nothing and say, "I'm sure that somebody else will take care of this problem." Because we see what happens when that mindset is present. We see when that what happens with that over and over and over. If if looking back through history has taught anybody anything, I would think that. One of the first things it would tell you is that if you do nothing, then evil is going to run roughshod right over the top of you. We have so many uh, great examples of that. Uh, And unfortunately, it seems that it usually takes some type of a catalyst to get folks to sit up and pay attention or to do something. It takes uh, something, some kind of disaster or a war or, uh, or or some type of an economic or social failure, something, to get folks to do something. Because otherwise they, they're they going to let things run and let things go as they are until something happens to, to mess the machine up bad enough that they finally say, I, 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 we're going to have to do something now. Now we're going to have to do something. And what I'm telling you is is that we're living in some troubled times. I'm not going to tell you that uh, that the end is near or anything like that, because I don't know if it is or not. What I'm going to tell you is that we are living in some very troubling times. And maybe nothing's going to happen. Maybe everything is going to be just fine and dandy, but I'm telling you, it, everything inside me, It's screaming just the opposite. It's saying, wake up, get ready. Uh, There's there's some rough weather coming. There's some rough situations coming. And if we just sit here and do nothing, it's going to run, it's going to come over the top of us like a tidal wave. That's why you can't just sit there. You can't do nothing. You know, I, I live out in the middle of nowhere and uh, and I work for myself and uh, for years and years I uh, I I just I didn't see any way that that there was anything that I could do that was going to help. All right. Uh I would bang on my TV, I would throw stuff at it, I would curse at it, I would I would be ready to pull my hair out when I saw the stuff that was going on in the nation. And guess how much that did to solve or fix anything, right? It did nothing. Absolutely zero. That that is what most folks are doing to get today. The good people, all right? The good people are doing that. The bad folks certainly seem to be fairly highly motivated uh in order to in order to push forward their agenda of of evil, and I'm not saying that even that deal of these folks are uh, are doing the things that they're doing based out of a uh, uh, out of a, uh, a an evil idea. I'm just saying that <clears throat> there is a great deal of trouble uh, being shoved at us and pulled toward us and uh, pour it on us, uh, and and we can't just sit there in front of the TV, and when the, uh, when the evening news gets too bad, just switch the channel so that we don't have to think about it. Because, uh, like I said, that's something that I used to do. I didn't know how to fix anything. I didn't know how to get involved. Uh, I, I was too far away from very many other people to 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 have any effect by just talking to them. I mean, I talk to my neighbors or folks that I work with or that I would see at the feed store or something, but that doesn't really do anything, right? When you just talk about stuff, it doesn't do anything. You have to do something. You have to actually do something. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to how to get involved. <clears throat> Finally, one day... <clears throat> I I actually was at the feed store. I was waiting for some uh, corn to be delivered. And uh, I had read the particular issue of Shotgun News. that was sitting over my dashboard. I'd read it over and over. And uh, the only thing I hadn't read yet was that one one column. It's a whole page of fine print. I looked at it uh, just recently, and I saw it's no longer in fine print. But I had a subscription to Shotgun News forever because I used it as part of my my side business of trading uh, sh- firearms and shooting related stuff in order to make enough money to buy uh, you know guns and ammunition and stuff. Anyway, uh, I always flipped past that Fred's column because. A few times I'd read the first couple of lines of it, I thought, oh, my gosh, this guy has uh, he has got a horrible mental problem because it seemed like he was uh, constantly uh, yammering on about American Revolutionary War and stuff like that. And I, I, I didn't have time for that. It's old dusty, moldy stuff. Uh, and this particular day, I didn't have anything else to read, uh, I wasn't in any area where I could get, uh, radio reception, and uh, so I ended up reading the column, I thought, alright, better, better this than nothing, I'll just read this column from beginning to end so I can get a true, uh, overall picture of this particular person's dementia, because, uh, I just just figured he was pretty much crazy. I mean, uh, nobody else, I'd never read anybody else that uh, that had done anything like that, that uh, had taken out a column in uh, in a regular type uh, uh, periodical to talk about stuff like that. And uh, so I read it. And when I did, I was very surprised because – It was the exact thing that I had been trying to figure out, and that I'd been uh banging the t v on and stuff like that. <clears throat> it was somebody else saying the same thing, and the only thing different was is that they weren't they weren't looking back on the American Revolution. As a dusty, moldy, uh, unnecessary to be read uh, part of our history. All right, he was looking at it and he was reading and writing about the events of April 19, 1775, and about the folks who were involved in it. And he was talking about the founders and about what their vision was for the nation. And about how far we had strayed from it, so so it was perfectly it was perfectly correct. I was the one that was out of step. I was the one that ended up being ashamed because because I was saying that I didn't have time to read about a bunch of folks who had sacrificed uh, their lives, their families, and their fortunes. So that I could walk around living the life that I do today I didn't have time for them So that did make me feel ashamed So I immediately uh, I immediately figured that this was something that uh, Some way that I could get involved This is a way I could do something That would let me Uh, Take some kind of positive action In Helping to maintain The freedoms and liberties of this nation I wouldn't have to go out And find people To talk to They'd be coming to me I'd bring them to me And uh, that was That was uh, Five years ago (coughs) And uh, We've had uh, An apple feed every Every month one minimum every month for the last five years. And uh, and then on top of that, uh, for several years, uh, I would do one here, and then I would do between one and two more somewhere else in the nation. I would go on everywhere to try and spread the message, to try and wake folks up, to try and get them... Uh, get them to understand the the severity of the problems that we face in this nation. To get them to understand that they have a sacred responsibility to help maintain this nation. That you can't you can't delegate this. There, there's nobody you can delegate it to you have to shoulder the responsibility. You have to take it upon yourself to do this, and and I've been doing it. Uh, I've been doing it since since I started, <clears throat> and there are a lot of you folks out there that are doing the exact same thing. Now, apple seed in in and of itself by itself isn't going to. It's it's not going to save anything, okay? But what it does do is it teaches you how to teach others to do the things that will save the nation. It teaches you how to teach other folks to become the absolute best folks they can be. To start looking for answers to the problems that we have today, to start looking for answers by going back to the beginning of the nation and finding out what the, the vision for the nation was, to find out exactly what we are supposed to be doing, to be, to read the Constitution, to read the Bill of Rights, to read the Declaration of Independence, and to to realize what the Founders' vision for this nation is. All right. If you'd like to call in, <clears throat> uh, we'll be glad to take your calls. The uh, number is 347-308-8790. three zero eight eight seven nine zero. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So, <clears throat> if you will uh, put it in the uh, into the chat call screener, I don't know what happened tonight. I it uh, it kicked me off the chat. I think maybe I don't know if the if the call screener and I are uh, if we're logging in the same way. Anyway, it said that uh, somebody had already logged in as me and kicked me off. But if you'll put that in the chat, call screener three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero, I believe is the number, uh, and we'll be glad to take your calls because uh, we really uh, we really work the folks at Appleseed uh, pretty hard. And, uh, and and most of them don't do it because they're they're being whipped or anything else. They're doing it because they they wake up. They wake up and they see that, that there is a need for this, and they work really hard. That doesn't mean that we can't tell them thanks. No, we can't say, listen, you're doing a great job, man. Uh, and that goes for anybody. That goes for somebody that just shot the rifleman standards or somebody that just passed their uh, – <clears throat> Uh, any of the progress checks or they made a uh, full instructor or they are a shoot boss or they're helping with promotions in your area <clears throat> uh, because you should be uh, you should be thanking the folks in your area locally and uh, and telling them how much you appreciate them so we always uh, we always have the lines open actually they'll be open throughout the show for this if you want to call and tell somebody thank you and we'd love to hear that. I mean, they would love to hear it. It's it's very nice to hear somebody say, to hear somebody recognizing the uh, uh, the time and effort that you've put in to this. Because nobody at Apple Seed is getting any paychecks. We're all volunteers. We're all doing this because of our sense of duty, our obligation, uh, our responsibility to the nation. But that like I said, that doesn't mean that you that folks don't like to hear a thank you every now and then. So if you'd like to call in and tell somebody thank you, three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Uh if you want to if you've got a comment or a question, <coughs> uh we'll be glad to We'll be glad to uh, take your calls too, and uh, and answer them on the air. Now, when you call, uh, I think there's some recorded instructions that you got to follow, and then uh, then the call screener may ask you uh, some questions. Now, please respond to him. He's not, he's, and he's doing it off the air, so you don't have to worry about the, anybody hearing what you're saying or anything. He's just going to ask you some questions off air to see if you just want to listen or if you've got something you want to say, uh, and then he can uh, put it into the information queue for me so that I can see it. <clears throat> All right, so 347-308-8790. And, uh, in just a minute, we're going to be talking about uh, shooting from the standing position. <clears throat> uh, if anybody uh, and if anybody has any announcements that they want to make about upcoming shoots or if they need a help with something, then... Uh, uh, then we would like you to call also I want to uh, uh, tell I want to say thank you uh, to Desert Eagle That's Jimmy out in New Mexico uh, for those of you that uh, weren't listening a while a, a few weeks ago <clears throat> Jimmy is running a group uh Let's see. uh, I don't remember the name of it, but uh, let's see if I can – I don't know. And I can't see the chat, so even if you put it in there, I'm not going to be able to see it, uh, call screener. Anyway, his group uh, sends out uh, care packages to the troops, and uh, they sent out uh, 2,500 boxes uh, to the troops overseas and uh but see they had a packing day on december 7th he sent me the photographs and stuff for it and uh there's a whole huge group of folks uh lined up at tables packing all these boxes uh to be sent to the troops overseas and uh, i believe that smith and Wesson also made a run of uh thank you pocket knives for it and uh they had 2,500 plus boxes that they uh, that they loaded up and sent out to the troops. So I want to tell Jimmy thanks, not just for what he's doing for Appleseed, because uh, he's working in New Mexico to push the program there, and he's doing a great job, but also for his commitment uh, to helping out, to helping out uh, by sending the troops these care boxes and listen <clears throat> yeah I know that uh, Uncle Sam provides for their needs over there and that uh, that they may have families that are sending them stuff or or whatever it doesn't matter because I can tell you from being a, a soldier stationed overseas that getting getting any kind of a mail just a postcard let alone a package from from a group is a huge thing, all right. It can it can make your whole month. Uh, I had letters that I would carry around at times until they actually just disintegrated because I would open up and read them when I wasn't doing something. I'd open up and read them because that was my connection uh, back to the nation, and we call it the world. That was my connection back to the world, and uh, from what I understand we uh, shipped jimmy uh some aqts and the trifolds and i believe he was putting aqts and a red coat and a trifold in each of the boxes for the folks to uh to get overseas and we'd asked him to uh to have folks take pictures of themselves shooting the aqts in afghanistan and uh, send them to us, and uh, we'll post them on the we'll post them on the website uh, when we get some of the photos in. But we're gonna ha- we ask them to uh, to get their buddies together and uh, shoot the AQTs. And of course, uh, it doesn't matter where you are if you're in Afghanistan or Timbuktu or uh, Nevada or Texas. If you shoot an AQT and you and you shoot it uh, by the uh, by the regulations that are printed there on it, and you have uh, one person witness you doing it and timing you, then it's a, it's good to go. If you shoot it uh, and you get uh, you shoot the rising standards, then we'll send you a patch. So I'm hoping that we're going to be sending some patches to these troops out in Afghanistan. They're going to be wearing these apple seed patches on their uniforms, and folks are going to be asking them uh, what that is, what it means, how they got it. So my thanks to Jimmy and his group in uh, New Mexico. And like I said, uh, call screen, if you will uh, – if you will put the name of the group up there, I'm, I'm trying to look at it in my mail so I can tell them the, the the right name of it. But I'm afraid that if I if I do too much uh, uh, if I do too much digging around here, then I'm not going to be able to talk right. All right. So <laughs> anyway, Jimmy, New Mexico, thank you very much for uh, for doing a great job for Appleseed. And, uh, for our troops overseas, because those guys, uh, those guys right now, no matter what you think about uh, the reason that they're over, it doesn't matter because they're over there. All right. They're over there. They're doing the jobs they're being asked to do. And, uh, and like I said, I've been overseas, uh, humping a rifle and, uh, it's not a, uh, uh it's not a pleasant vacation all right i mean there there are smiles and uh, laughs to be had but uh overall it's not a pleasant vacation but uh, somebody somebody has to do it <clears throat> okay <clears throat> let's see once again like i said if you want to uh if you want to call in christmas for our troops uh that's what the call center told me christmas for our troops And I imagine, I don't know, well, you can try this, but ChristmasForOurTroops.com. That may be uh, uh, a workable uh, website for it. If you'd like to call in and tell some of your folks, thank you, 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. And listen, uh, Jamie in New Mexico also uh, has a... uh, a uh, a commercial venture that he does to try and help uh pay the bills and i believe you can reach him by going to Desert Eagle Farms and uh, it is for its uh for long-term storage food that uh he's one of the uh, uh affiliates of one of the companies that sell long-term storage food uh, and you can uh, purchase some long-term uh food uh from him and uh, that'll help him out and it will help you out. listen, you guys hear me talk about uh about prepping quite a bit. We have Jack spierko on we've got uh the guys from Houston from uh in the rabbit hole uh the uh, urban survival guys uh and be sure and give them a a listen. When you get a chance uh it's uh in the rabbit hole dot com I believe i'm gonna try and look that up real quick too but uh you hear me talk about survival and prepping et cetera quite a bit <clears throat> and the reason that I do is because I think it's very important it's very important that that you you are living your life in such a way that uh, that if there's a uh, temporary breakdown in uh, your part of the woods or or nationally etc that that it doesn't bring you to a screeching halt because you have a duty Uh, number one applecy folks uh, I told you, they're they're the the best folks in the nation. They're the cream of the crop, and you have a duty to, to be prepared enough to not just survive yourself, but to be a leader and to provide assistance to your fellow citizens, okay? First of all, you need to make sure that you and your family are going to make it through whatever's going on. Then you need to be able to do that in such a fashion that that it doesn't take every bit of your time to figure out where your next meal is going to be coming from because you are prepared enough that you have already put, a, put uh, your next meal, uh, you've already prepared for them. You already have them set up and ready to go enough so that you can lend assistance to your community, all right, to your fellow citizens. Uh, you have a duty to do that, and – And I talk to you guys about this quite a bit because I think it's important. Uh, and I'm not talking about aliens landing or a comet hitting or, or the dinosaurs getting wiped out or anything like that. I'm talking about uh, a tornado coming through uh, your community, your uh, state, and uh, and ripping everything out of the wall for uh, for three or four weeks, like what just happened in Alabama or what happened in Louisiana. Or what happened in the uh, the the uh, central United States, or floods, or hurricanes, etc. You have a duty to be uh, to be prepared enough to get through these things and provide leadership to your com- to your uh, community. That is what uh, an apple cedar does, They make sure that they are uh, in good enough shape that they can take care of themselves and they are able to to provide for others in a charitable fashion, make sure that they have uh, some food that they can give to other folks or that they are uh they are able and ready to provide leadership in helping to get uh the roads cleared, get the uh powers back on get the uh to take care of uh, other folks in their medical needs or getting them to a hospital et cetera that's your duty as a citizen as a prepared citizen so you should be making sure that uh that you have looked at uh you can go to uh uh the survival podcast.com uh you can go to in the rabbit hole.com and listen to these folks and and make sure that uh that you're living your life in this fashion. When I say living your life in this fashion, I don't mean that you're living your life in your bunker, right, with your with your uh, radiac meter and stuff. I'm talking about that you're living your life in a fashion where, uh, when your uh, when your car or your truck, when it's a quarter tank low, you don't wait until it's all the way low to go get fuel. Uh, it doesn't cost any more to put that five dollars in right there than it will to fill the truck up later. All right. Keeping your vehicles topped off, making sure you have plenty of food, batteries, uh, first aid gear, uh, and you don't do it all at once. You don't go out and uh, and spend a thousand dollars doing this all at once. You you do it as part of your life. Uh, whenever I go to uh, out shopping, I always make sure that I go by the Dollar General, uh, one of the dollar stores there, and I I pick up my weekly. Uh, stuff. I'll get uh, one week. I'll get uh, three or four packages of band-aids at a dollar piece. Uh, the next week I'll buy four quarts of hydrogen peroxide for a dollar a quart. Uh, you know, the next week I'll buy. Matter of fact, this week uh, I got a new thing. I, I was looking at the gauze bandages, and uh, for a little tiny package of gauze bandages, it was uh, three dollars fifty cents. And where I was there at the, on the aisle at the Dollar General, I happened to look across the aisle from me, and uh, there were the uh, feminine hygiene uh, products were kept, and there was uh, racks of the, uh, the feminine napkins, and uh, you get 48 of those for $3.50, all right? And I remember back in the uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, I remember using uh, some of the large cotexes for bandages, <laughs> and uh, now they're not going to be uh, absolutely guaranteed sterile like uh, some of the medical bandages are and so far. But you know what? Uh, when you have machines doing this stuff, the machines are making this, and the machines are packaging it, then you don't have a whole lot of interaction from humans. So most of the stuff like that is, is already in a semi-sterile state. It's absolutely going to be a lot better than a dirty handkerchief or something else that you put in the wound not only that but uh if there's a breakdown in services or you can't get to the store or something then some of the, the females might need those feminine napkins <clears throat> so i purchased some of those so i'm always uh i'm i'm not going and buying stuff uh, at a 1000 dollars at a time I'm, I'm on my weekly runs i'm picking up one or two things at a time and putting it into my uh into my gear in rotation i'm putting uh and I'll buy, uh, when I when I go and get uh, groceries, uh, I always make sure I'll buy usually two cases of ramen extra, because that's 15 cents a meal. So i got uh, 48 meals for 15 cents a piece. I'll buy uh, uh, usually two cases of that. I'll usually buy a 20-pound sack of rice and a 10- or 15-pound sack of beans. And uh, if I need one can, one, uh, uh, whatever the large can uh, packages of, peanut butter is. I think it's like a pound or something like that, two pounds. Anyway, I use one of those a week. But when I go and buy it, I don't buy just one to replace the one I use. I buy two, one to replace the one I used and one to add to my storage. So this is the way that you live your life doing this. And uh, when you have some free time, skip uh, a 30-minute sitcom and use that 30 minutes to uh, to, uh, read a book. I've, I've got a uh, library card. I go to the library, and uh, I get all the books that I want on how to do things for free. The the girls don't watch TV, so we go to the library. There's uh, five of them and one of me, and we'll usually get uh, between 50 and 100 books every two weeks because they're going to be reading, and, and I'm going to be reading. And uh, skip one of the uh, the sitcoms and read something about how to take care of yourself. Uh, about how to uh uh how to plant a garden, how to uh take uh seeds and sprout them out in your kitchen so that you can have some fresh green even in the winter. Uh read about how to start a fire without a match. Uh different things like that. Read uh, and learn. Because if things keep going the way they're going, if enough people don't turn around and and wake up, and even if they do there's a good chance still that we could uh we could end up in a situation that's going to be rough for every one of us now wait till it happens all right live your life in a way that uh that if somebody turns off the power in your neighborhood and it happens to stay out for a week or two weeks that uh that you're not so stressed out and so pushed to the edge that you Uh, that you end up taking your own life because you can't figure out how to deal with it. Because A lot of people, uh, that's the state that we're at in this country today. Uh, Folks can't deal with with the things that our mothers and fathers and grandparents took for granted. You know, my grandparents weren't, uh, I wouldn't have called them preppers, or they wouldn't have called themselves preppers, okay? I would probably call them preppers. They wouldn't have called their sales prepper, but I remember going into their cellar and seeing the uh, the floor-to-ceiling shelves uh, stacked full of canned goods, and, and when I say canned goods, I don't mean like metal canned goods. I mean they canned their own stuff. <clears throat> floor-to-ceiling, and, uh, and it was a huge cellar, and it was uh, filled with all kinds of stuff because they had actually been through situations uh that we only uh that most of us are only seeing or are on t v or reading about They understand that uh there can actually be problems in this nation that uh that the government is can't drive to your house in a shiny little uh femA or emergency vehicle and fix. You may have to fix it yourself. You may have to take care of yourself. And by taking care of yourself, I don't mean standing on your top of your house with this sign that's read, that reads "Save Me." I mean actually take care of yourself and your family. I consider it. A, I would consider it a crime for for to have children and not have taken steps to see that they could be safeguarded. Uh, by me uh, preparing to take care of them if I had to on my own, so <clears throat> I would think that way, I would consider that a crime. So <clears throat> uh, I think this is important for you guys. I think it's important for you to be uh, expanding your skills. I think it's important for you to, uh to uh, patronize our our brother Appleseed uh, brothers and sisters who have uh, products out there. Jimmy with Desert Eagle Farms is one. We have uh, uh, Thomas Glock and Blue Feather who are uh, cranking away making soap out there. I believe they're still in New Mexico uh, making handmade soap at uh, Bluefeather.biz. Uh, if you need some handmade soap, and who doesn't? And especially now it's Christmas time. Listen, I wouldn't I was would, I'm I'm hoping that uh uh that uh Bluefeather uh is listening to the radio and she's and she's thinking, you know what, that scout he always gets on there and he always uh uh he always shills for my for my soap. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a bar of soap. I'm gonna wrap it up and send it to him uh at one one nine six eight South FM nineteen fifteen, Buckholz, Texas, seven six five one eight. And uh, send him a bar of soap for Christmas. And you know what? That, that she, you know uh, that would be great. <clears throat> and it would also be great if you got one for one of your loved ones, right? <clears throat> a bar of the handmade soap, which I can attest. Now I'm no expert on handmade soaps or frou frou stuff, but I can tell you that I really enjoyed the soaps that she made. Now part of that could have been that they were free because she gave me, uh, I think, six bars total uh so that I could uh, drag them home to my girls but uh I ended up uh really liking the soaps it uh, they, the soap uh had enough moisturizing content in it that uh <clears throat> I wish I had one right now as a matter of fact because in the winter my hands always get uh, cracked they just uh the, the skin hardens and cracks and then Anytime I get diesel or oil into it, it makes it like a permanent, uh, permanently dyed. So all the cracks now are dyed. <clears throat> anyway, uh, the soap has enough moisture content in it that uh, when I was uh, using it regularly, it would keep my hands nice and soft. So make sure that you, uh, if you're looking for a Christmas gift, and it's not, they're not expensive. I don't know how they, uh, how they can make such a fine quality product for. The prices that they're charging—I believe it was uh, from five to ten bucks uh, for a nice big bar of soap—and uh, and when you do that, you also contribute to uh, Glock and Blue Feathers uh, <clears throat> gas money, so that they can drive to the next apple seed and uh, uh, or the program pays for their gas, but uh, for their food and stuff like that they can go to the next apple seed and teach the more barthers soap you get from them the the longer they'll be on the road <clears throat> so make sure you uh this christmas you take a a look at bluefeather.biz our blue feather soaps in new mexico and uh think about uh, getting one for one of your loved ones <clears throat> and uh, the intro music that uh, we used for the show that was uh I believe it was either freedom or control and uh, that's that was donated to us by uh Pokerface the band Pokerface. You can get them at uh, pokerface.com. They're a uh they they are a kind of revolution rock uh uh band and uh, they've got a lot of great music and we certainly appreciate them uh donating their music to us. They uh they travel the country, playing at different places. They play at Knob Creek, I think, every year. <clears throat> so any of the folks that uh, that have any kind of a commercial venture, and listen for the Blog Talk folks, let me let, let you guys know that uh, I'm not uh, getting any money for advertising. I'm not even getting any product so far, uh, but uh, uh, I'm still hoping, but... Anyway, we're just doing this uh, as goodwill. We're just doing this to uh, help uplift our uh, our fellow Appleseed brothers and sisters. So if there's something you need that uh, one of the Appleseed folks has, think about getting it from them before you get it from somebody else because uh, that's a way that we can help each other. <clears throat> All right, and if anybody has any uh commercial ventures that they would like to they'd like us to talk about on the air we'll be glad to and it doesn't have to be a commercial commercial venture it can be any kind of a uh, any kind of a thing that you're doing we'll always be glad to uh to get the information out on the air that's All four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero all right I say we're going to uh Talk about shooting in the standing position because uh, there is uh, there's a lot to it. I know that uh, most folks, this is the position that most folks are most familiar with because that's normally how you start out shooting. You don't uh, normally you don't lay on the ground to shoot. You don't. Uh, Uh, you don't sit down to shoot, unless you're like shooting at a range, bench rest shooting or something. Normally, you're just shooting standing. And uh, so most folks are semi-familiar with this position. But that being said, it's not the easiest position to shoot from because uh, it's usually the least stable because when you shoot, you would like to have the most stable position that you can get. The most stable position you can get is when you have the rifle resting on your on your arm on the bone that is sitting on another bone like on your leg and that's sitting on the ground. So you have the weight uh, going from the rifle to the bone to the bone to the ground and you don't have any muscles involved and that way you're uh, you're in the most stable position you can get. Now, when you're in standing, unfortunately, that's, that's not going to be able to happen because <clears throat> there's no way to to get bone on bone on bone, bone on the ground. But there are a few things that you can do that that will help you in your standing position. <clears throat> One of the things that you can do is <clears throat> uh, well, let me just uh, let me just start this off from the beginning. All right when you are uh, to start off in the standing, <clears throat> what you're gonna do <clears throat> you're going to face the target with your uh with your, you're gonna you're gonna face head on to the target and then you're gonna turn uh, approximately ninety degrees to your strong side all right and by strong side I'm talking about what what hand you shoot with if you're right handed then you're going to turn to the right. If you're left-handed, you're going to turn to the left. <clears throat> All right? So, you're going to turn approximately 90 degrees uh, to your strong side. Now, then you're going to have your feet you know, a comfortable distance apart. And that's usually about shoulder width apart. And you're going to have your feet. They're not going to be parallel. They're not going to be side-by-side uh, side, facing in the same direction. You're going to need to have them uh, uh have them opened up in uh in about uh a 90 a 45 to 90 degree angle on your feet because <clears throat> if you have your feet side by side pointing the same way then then that gives uh, the wind or anything else that's an, it's an inherently unstable position because while all you're protecting yourself in is in one direction. That would be like a side-to-side. If side. anything comes from your back or from your front, then you don't have a way to stabilize yourself. So you open your feet up to uh, between a 45 and a 90. I usually have mine uh, about in a 90, which means I'll have my, uh, my non-trigger side foot pointing toward the target and I'll have my trigger foot uh, pointing approximately uh, 80 degrees or so to the target. <clears throat> All right, and it'll be a, a comfortable, uh, I say comfortable, it's not comfortable, it's about a shoulder width apart uh, because the farther apart your feet are up to a point, then the more stable your position is going to be. And about shoulder width is a, is about good enough. And then uh, my knees are not locked. That means I don't have my uh I don't have my knees compressed back to where they're locked, but I don't have them bent so that I'm not uh I'm not having to use muscles to keep myself from falling down. I have the the knees uh just in between locked and forward of that so that it's a straight line down. Alright? I have the bone Resting uh, the thigh bone resting on the the knee joint, which is resting on the lower leg, resting on the foot on the ground all right in a straight line <clears throat> now, what I'll do next is <clears throat> and for just a second, let's talk about before we talk about the next step, let's talk about <clears throat> uh slings now, you can use any sling or no sling, you know we don't tell you at at apple feed we're not we never there are no absolutes we're not gonna tell you that you have to do anything we're going to make suggestions uh about things that we that we've learned and about things that we know from uh from information handed down to us from 500 years of uh, firearms experience Uh, we're not going to tell you you have to do anything but we're going to suggest that in order to uh, improve your stability in order to enhance your position then uh then you really should use a sling. And uh, there are several sling types that we show you in Apple see. We'll show you the hasty, hasty, the hasty, and the loop sling. And you can use any of these slings in the standing. All right? I don't want to, uh, I know I've heard people before say you can only use the hasty uh, in standing. And that's not true. You can use any sling position in standing. But there are pros and cons to each one. All right. What I've done is uh, is I switched back and forth and back and forth from loop to hasty over the years, so that uh, I never got stuck in only using one fling position. I would use uh, the loop one time, and I would use hasty the next time, and I would do that. Uh, I've always done that. I use in all the positions, so that uh, so that I'm comfortable with both. Now I have worked it out to where uh, I can use the Hasty in any position without any adjustments. Now, uh, after years of, of uh, years of practice, uh, I don't need to make a whole bunch of adjustments. I don't have to be looped up. Uh, I can just be shooting the Hasty in all of the different positions. But for standing, I'll tell you this: that the Hasty sling does give you a little bit of extra support if you need it in the standing. Because what will happen is, <clears throat> when you're in a standing position, the, uh, the, uh, the last part of the sling headed toward the butt will end up resting on the angle of your chest above your pecs. So it will be resting on your body, helping to support the rifle. All right? <clears throat> okay, so you're standing facing a target. You turn approximately 90 degrees, you have your feet approximately shoulder width apart and you have uh, an angle between your feet so that they're not both facing the same way. Now what you're going to do is you're going to and you're going to be flung up now in either the loop or the uh, hasty. Now what you're going to be doing is you're going to have your uh, your body is going to be erect. You're going to be standing in a very very uh, erect posture looking at your target and what you need to do is, uh, is imagine a rope connected to the top of your head and uh, there's uh, just enough pressure on that rope that it's causing your whole body to be straight and erect, facing the target okay now you're going to bring the rifle up to your face all right Bring the rifle up to your face. Don't go looking for that rifle with your head. Bring the rifle up to your face. That's where it needs to be. Now, it's going to feel high, and uh, if I'm standing behind you, I should be able to see a major portion of your uh, the butt of your rifle uh, sticking up above your shoulder pocket, <clears throat> uh, and that's fine. That's okay. All you need is to, to catch that bottom Uh, corner of the buttstock in the pocket that's made in your shoulder whenever your trigger arm uh, lifts up into the chicken wing position. There'll be a pocket that opens up in there. You catch that bottom edge of the buttstock into that pocket, and all the rest of it can be up above the the shoulder. It actually should be unless you have uh, uh, some type of a uh, uh, expanded stock, uh, you know, a a cheek piece or something on your rifle. It actually should be because we want you to bring the rifle up to your face and don't go looking for the rifle with your head because what happens then is if you go looking for that rifle with your head, then, and you can try this at home if you want, make sure your rifle's unloaded, but you can try this. If you go looking for that rifle with your head, if you have it seated all the way down uh, where the butt is below where it can't be seen from back back behind you, you will have to hunch your head and shoulders over to get to the rifle. Now when you do that, you're firing up, I don't know how many muscles, probably uh, 25 or 30 different muscles that you're having to fire up uh, to support you whenever you're looking for that rifle. And muscles are always bad. In a shooting situation, muscle is always bad because uh, muscle can can become fatigued and it can be and there's movement in it <clears throat> so no muscle bring the rifle up to your face, get it at the bottom corner of the stock seated uh, firmly in the pocket that's made whenever you chicken wing your uh, trigger uh elbow up, get your uh non trigger side elbow uh make sure that you have a snug sling going across the back of that non-trigger side palm, and that your elbow, and that your arm is directly under the rifle. And then what I do, and then you're going to, before you take the shot, you're going to work on getting your natural point of aim in the standing. Now, this is just as important as any of the other positions it's just as important for you to have your natural point of aim and standing as it is any of the other positions it's going to be a little bit more difficult and you may be a little bit less sure of it but there's still uh you can still do this you can determine what your natural point of aim is and make sure that you're shifting it onto the target and then of course once you've done that then no more happy feet just stay right there make sure you have your magazine you're hearing your eye protection already on you that you got nothing you got to get once you get your natural point of aim you're not going to have to move again this is in shooting the aqt in stage one uh then uh, then lock your feet down and keep rehearsing what you're going to do and here's what you're going to do here's what i'm not going to tell you what you're going to do i'm just going to tell you what i do all right <clears throat> uh You're going to get your natural point of aim. You're going to determine what it is, shift it onto the target, because, as I said, it's just as important in standing as in any of the other positions. And not only that, but uh, just because you're in standing, uh, you don't get your standard of accuracy doesn't go down. Because you're in standing, you don't say, well, I'm in standing, so... Instead of shooting to uh, a four-minute of arc accuracy in standing, I only have to shoot to like a 15 or 20-minute of arc accuracy because I'm standing. That's not the case. You, we, we're still asking you to shoot to a four-minute of arc standard of accuracy in standing. That means that uh, every shot that you fire in standing at the stage one target, the stage one silhouette, should be inside the circle uh where the V ring is on your stage one target. Uh, if you don't uh if you don't set yourself a goal for accuracy, then you will have none. <clears throat> okay, so your natural point of aim is just as important in the standing as in any of the others. Now here's what I did. I- I've learned from uh from many years of doing this that I cannot hold my rifle steady. Uh, On the target, I can't sit there and hold it onto the target and have it be steady and standing. It's uh, I haven't found a way to do it yet. Maybe uh, some of you know some some ways of doing it. I would kind of be surprised because it's an inherently unstable position. All right. So knowing this, knowing that I can't hold it on to the target uh, and keep it steady on there. Matter of fact, it's it's just the opposite. The longer I hold that rifle, trying to keep the sights on the target, the less steady I will get, the less steady I will get. It'll start moving uh, back and forth. It'll start moving in a figure eight, up and down, and usually it'll end up kind of going in kind of a circle. And I call this chase on the rabbit because you can sit there and hold it up without taking a break all day long, and the longer you do, the 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 more you will be chasing the rabbit. You'll be trying to keep the sights on the target, and they'll be there for a second, and they'll move off, and they'll move kind of in a circle. And they'll be on there again, but they won't stay, and they'll move off. And the longer you chase the rabbit, that clock is ticking when you're in stage one. And And I'm not talking about gaming this. What I'm talking about is that it doesn't matter... Uh, it doesn't matter why you're shooting your rifle at a target, if it's in competition or if it's in an apple seed, if it's at a deer, etc. You're always going to need to be able to make the shot at a certain point, and the only way you're going to be able to do that is by keeping the sights on the target, and you're not going to be able to keep them on the target. By standing there and holding that rifle up through the whole course of fire, uh, because the longer you hold it up, the less steady it becomes. Now, what I found that works for me, and of course, uh, is with any suggestions from anybody on anything in the whole world, whether it be from shooting or needlepoint or mowing the grass, washing the dishes, whatever, Uh, your mileage will vary. All right? I'm just going to tell you what I do. Here's what I do. I can control the muzzle as long as I'm moving it. If I'm moving it, then I'm in control of where it's going to go. Now, for me, I told you, I stand there, I get my uh, position, just like I told you, bring the rifle up to my face, and then while I'm waiting to take the shot, I let the rifle still uh, pull back into the shoulder pocket. I let the rifle come down. So that I've broken my position, but I'm letting the rifle come down with the least amount of breakage possible. I've still got the uh, the stock pulled back into my shoulder, but I'm letting the rifle come down. So I can get some uh, fresh blood, some oxygen to those muscles while I'm waiting. But I don't take my face off the target. I don't take my eyes off the target. When I break, I simply lean forward just a tiny bit and let the rifle come down, keeping my eyes on the target. And uh, and the way I explain it is like this. If, you, if you're out hunting... And you're in the standing position, and you're hunting, and you see a deer and uh y- and you're you and, you, know, you lose the deer for a second or whatever anyway, if the deer is if it walks behind a bush uh your rifle can probably fire through the bush right uh because a bush is not cover, it's simply concealment, so you could probably shoot through the bush if you needed to. But if you take your eyes off of that deer and it goes behind a bush, which bush did it go behind? You don't know. Even worse, what if the deer pops out of the or the right side of the bush where you're not looking and the and it what it did is it grabbed a rifle out of its uh, you know, out of its car. Uh then you're going to be in trouble. All right? So I don't take my eyes off the target. And uh, one of the other reasons, one of the worst offenses there at an apple seed is if you take your eyes off the target, at the very least, it's going to eat up uh, one to two seconds of your time to reacquire the target. Because if you take your eyes off the target, if you look down, then when you look up, are you looking at your target? Well, I don't know. Are you? Because Now you're going to have to figure out, are you? Am I looking at my target? Which one is it? It's this one right here. It's... It's the one with the white number eight above the top of it. Okay, yeah, that's it. Okay, well, how much time did that take? That took two, three seconds. Every time you look down, you've got two to three seconds that uh, it takes you to reacquire the target. Oh, and here's a good one. If you don't uh, take the time to ensure that it's your target, when you come back up and you don't have your natural point of aim, you might be on your neighbor's target. And your neighbor may not appreciate the help that you gave him because uh, even if you shoot uh, five or six of your shots into the X-ring, every hole in that paper over ten has to be uh, subtracted, and they're going to take the highest points first. So I don't take my eyes off my target. What I do when I break my position is I let the rifle, I tip my upper body forward a bit. Let the rifle drop down so that uh, my muscles aren't aren't holding it; just the uh, sling is. I'm keeping it in my shoulder, and I keep my eyes on my target. All right, now when I come back up, I'm bringing the rifle back into my line of sight. So I'm staying at it; my eyes still on the target. I bring the rifle back up into my line of sight. It gets back up on my cheek as I bring it up. My head didn't go looking for it. I bring the rifle up to my face into my line of sight, and back on to the target. And what I do is while I'm tracking upwards from the ground up, for me, I told you this is my suggestion, I'm telling you what I do. I'm not telling you what you have to do. While I'm tracking up, I'm also beginning my six steps. That means I'm beginning my respiratory cycle. I'm exhaling as I'm coming up, as the sights are coming up. I'm getting to my respiratory pause. Once my sights have reached the bottom of the target, my finger is sliding in uh, to the trigger guard. Now I'm beginning to place, now my sights aren't on the X yet, but they're they're already on the paper, so my sights are, my finger's on the trigger. It's taking all the slack up, and it's beginning to put pressure on the trigger. Not enough yet to make it fire. Uh, Because I know how much pressure it takes to cause it to fire. But I'm bringing it to that threshold where it's right above where the trigger is going to break. And my sights are still moving up. They're moving up, slowly moving up, until I cross the bottom of the silhouette. Once I cross the bottom of the silhouette, then I'm starting to apply the last couple of grams of pressure that I need to cause the trigger to break. So that whenever my sights Rise up past the bottom of the black, and they it it hits that part, the the uh, the place where it needs to be where the X ring is where my sight touches the bottom of that X ring. It pauses for just uh, probably a twentieth of a second. In that pause, I've already reached my uh, respiratory pause. My finger has put enough pressure on the trigger now to it's just about ready to break, and I put the last couple of grains of pressure on that trigger so that the amount of pressure it takes to break that trigger coincides with the front sight arriving at the place it's supposed to be. So they all arrive together, and bang, that's when I take the shot right then. I know I'm not going to be able to hold my sights on the target. Uh, not with any really good degree of accuracy. But I know that I can control the movement of the sights while it's moving, and I can control that. I can have that sight uh, stay on that target for a fraction of a second. So I make sure that I time it out all together as the sights are coming up from the bottom of the target. My breath, I'm exhaling. I'm taking the slack out of the trigger. It's coming up, 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 up. It crosses the black, the last few grains of pressure, it arrives at the x ring, bang. I don't jerk the trigger. I don't pull the trigger. I don't yank the trigger. I simply put the last bit of incrementally increasing pressure directly to the rear on the trigger, and it fires at a point that I'm really not exactly sure when it's going to fire, but it's going to fire within that uh, uh that last fraction of a second when I arrive there. I'm not yanking it. I'm just putting incrementally increasing pressure so that it's going to fire sometime right after I cross that the line on the bottom of the target. Now, yes, <clears throat> uh at times this will cause me to pop off around uh below the silhouette. Uh you know, in the uh, three-score area. Uh, Every once in a while they'll do that, just because I'm I'm putting a little too much pressure on the trigger uh, right before before I get to where I want to go. And once I do that, I don't jack around. I don't try and hold uh, my sights on the target. I just immediately reboot. I know I'm not going to be able to The longer I hold it there, the less steady I'm going to get. So I don't even fall for that game. I don't... I don't try to do that. What I immediately do, keeping my eye on the target, I break my position again by leaning forward slightly and letting the rifle come down, keeping the stock in my shoulder, keeping my hands in the same places. As it's coming down, I'm breathing in and out, in and out, in and out, usually two to three breaths. And then I'm bringing the rifle back up, repeating the procedure again. As I'm bringing the rifle up, I'm exhaling, once the sights have reached the bottom of the target, I begin putting pressure on the trigger as it's going up slowly, steadily, heading toward the silhouette. Put the last few grains of pressure on the trigger so that after it crosses the line on the bottom of the target, it's going to fire uh, shortly after it crosses the line. All right? And that's how I do it. That's how I uh, shoot my standing. And uh, you can try that if you want. Like I said, nobody has to do anything any certain way, but that's a way that I do it. Now, some people will bring the rifle down from above the target. I I tried that a few times, and uh, you can do it that way. I don't because when I'm bringing it up from the bottom, I can see the target the whole time. When I bring it down from the top, the target is completely obscured until I arrive at the place I'm supposed to be shooting, and that will cause you to to travel past where you want to shoot a great deal more uh, times than coming up from the bottom will. Because what you're doing is your your rifle is moving, and when you see the target, you think that you're stopping, but you're actually not. You're still some degree of movement going down. And the only way for there not to be is for you to yank the trigger. Uh, so you can do it any way that you'd like. If you want to work it out so that you shoot from uh, as you're crossing a target from the top to the bottom, fine. Uh, I don't. I found it's better for me to shoot from the bottom of the target up. Other folks have uh, uh, a system where they run a figure eight, and they they. Pause for just a second in that figure eight when they come across the target. I don't like to do this because it means that that I have to keep the rifle moving, rifle moving in a horizontal direction, and I have to I have to support the weight of the rifle for a lot longer to do that. All right, so I don't personally do that. <clears throat> all right, listen, uh, I told you guys a while ago about uh, Jimmy from New Mexico and his uh, Christmas for the troops thing. Anyway, Jimmy's called in. And, uh, by gosh, I'm going to put him on the air so he can talk about it so I can tell him thanks. Jimmy, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, boss. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Listen, I want to thank you so much uh, for all the work and the effort you and the, your whole crew of volunteers because it, it looks like a huge uh, convention of folks that you had helping you, uh, uh, let's see, yesterday. No, day before yesterday. Yep,
2: yep, yesterday. And
1: uh looks like you had a whole crew of folks uh that were helping you and uh, and I want to thank you uh for the effort that you put into it. Tell us uh, a bit of what about uh, uh how it worked out and uh, and what's next uh on the stage.
2: Well, um, first off, it's I I'm just the flunky in the middle. It's it's the good folks out there that that donate the stuff and everything and get us the names and the APOs. Uh they're the ones that really do the work. I'm I'm just the guy in the middle that kind of pushes the buttons sometimes, but uh, Tuesday morning we left out of here with about another uh, 900 pounds of stuff from uh, southeast New Mexico, and uh, poor little Blazer was she was sitting low on the springs. And I'm glad I didn't have a <laughs> You put
1: 900 pounds of stuff in your blazer?
2: Yeah, well, it's an S10 <laughs> blazer.
0: <laughs>
2: so she was well, sitting good, low good on the springs. And uh the reason I took her instead of the Dodge is because we had uh, pretty good snows and everything uh Monday and um it was it was kind of slick in a few spots going down to Midland but we made it and uh got down there Tuesday evening and got everything unloaded and uh some of the pictures that I sent you is when we were setting up And uh, we got the assembly lines put together and had a bunch of the football players and cheerleaders and kids from Midland High, which is right across the street, come over and help. And uh, then on uh, Wednesday morning, Pearl Harbor Day, the uh, ROTC kids, Air Force and Army ROTC, showed up. And they helped us finalize things and and get things in line and get it going. And between packing boxes, they also helped man the line in the back. And I took uh, right at about an hour and a half of video uh, of the whole process. It's over at uh, KSVP at uh, Gene Dow. And them are working on editing it and putting it into some semblance of order. But uh, we started uh, the official packing and everything uh started off with the prayer and God bless America and everything right at noon, Texas time and by three o'clock we had uh twenty five hundred plus boxes packed and going into the mail trucks. So it that was is excellent day. <laughs>
1: well give us a give us a, a quick rundown on on what uh you guys were sending out.
2: Uh, Well, you know, the first station right there at the end, uh, the kids uh, or the folks that were, you know, in the assembly line that would pick up a box, the first station right there was the AQTs and the Trifoles. So they went in the bottom of the box, and then they got a coffee mug uh, that said thank you from Christmas for our troops on it. And um, then as they went on down the line, there were, you know, uh, wet wipes and toothbrushes and toothpaste and cough drops. And uh, Rem, uh, Remington uh, donated a pallet of rim oil, uh, so every one of the boxes got those, and then we had the boar snakes that went in there. Uh, another company, uh, I'm not familiar with it, but it's a three-part gun cleaning system. Uh, it starts off with a bore cleaner and polish, and then uh, a rinse, and then a lube, that follows it up, so three bottles of that went in each box, and then Smith & Wesson, of course, the knives were all there, and uh, beef jerky, uh, all kinds of snacks and goodies and cookies, uh, tons of cards from the kids, uh, letters from folks, and uh, the last item that went in it at the very end was a $2 bill, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it it went all the way down the line and I like I said I've got a video that I shot of it. We're working on editing it and getting it put together, so um once that comes together, we'll work on on getting it up online and and so folks can see what they did because uh I understand from Scott that there were a lot of folks uh, all across the country that made monetary donations, uh, a little bit over 32,000 in postage this year. And um uh, just all over the country, we had kids in um uh Lexington, North carolina did uh, Christmas cards and everything, and shipped them to us uh wondering if we've got some apple cedars out in that neck of the woods and uh <laughs> got some uh from Tennessee and got some from Pennsylvania um, it was when 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 you see the pictures of all the stuff in the middle I mean and at the end of the day, there's nothing in the middle and that whole 40-foot-wide, 10-foot-deep stack of boxes that were down there and all the labels on them and knowing that these kids over there are going to get a box and everything, that's that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You've been there and I've been there, and uh, there's going to be a lot of kids that don't have empty hands this time on mail call.
0: Well,
1: that is absolutely... uh absolutely fantastic and i know that uh, uh you sent me the uh the email uh, about this so i know that uh you put a uh, note in there too right to tell folks to shoot the aqt take a picture of it and then send it to you and uh and at some point hopefully in the next uh few months you'll start getting photographs of people shooting the aqts over in afghanistan and uh and maybe we can get some of those and get them posted on the uh, on the website. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, and so
2: what I what I came up with on that uh, the printers down here um, to do twenty five hundred la- uh, labels and everything was way too much money. So I went to Walmart and bought every one of the address labels that they had from the Avery products, and uh, downloaded the program for that and did a simple three lines on it. You know, number one, uh, read the instructions and post the AQT. Number two, shoot the AQT and score it. Number three, email a picture of you and your AQT to this email address. And uh, went through several ink cartridges. <laughs> and I bet got Those you did. all printed out and everything. And then uh, in the video, you can see some of the folks that were folding up the AQTs there and putting them together, and they'd put the sticker on them. And then they'd go into the box, so Well
0: hopefully
1: that hopefully some of those guys play. will get uh some of them will shoot the AQT, shoot it to rifleman standards, and then uh, when they do, uh we'll make sure that uh we send you enough uh rifleman uh patches that uh you can award them a patch and uh maybe we can even get some rifleman patches with some Velcro and stuff so that they can uh
2: those cool. They can wear it on
1: their uniform
2: Well we'll we'll see We'll see how the emails show up and everything um, You know I'm just I'm just thankful that those kids are going to Going to get at Christmas and You know they'll look at the trifolds And they'll realize that there's a bunch of Old vets and crusty old farts And kids and everything over here that really Care about them and when they get back home they'll Hopefully, look up some of the apple cedars and come to some shoots and everything. I'd love to have some on the line just just to shake their hand and thank them.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I would too. Yeah. I mean, and if there's any way to uh, if there's any way that we can stay that we can assist you anymore with uh, with any kind of I don't know letters that we can write or anything like that to thank them, then be sure and let us know because. Uh, and you and, yeah, and I, I have discussed I've just, this several times. That uh, it's very important for the folks over there to get letters to know that that they're not they're not fighting in some kind of forgotten situation, and that nobody here is thinking about them.
2: Exactly. Well, the the thing is, is uh, we had some late pickups. We had a couple of drop off points here in Artesia that we didn't even know about, and um, I got the phone call. When I was in Midland on packing day yesterday But we picked up that stuff today And uh, Oh, believe me, it's not going to go to waste Uh, We've got an inn Down in San Antonio with the Wounded Warriors Program And the uh, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the house um, For the families Um, Oh, darn My brain quit But uh, The Extra stuff that we picked up today and uh, everything that was late getting in is going to go down to San Antonio to Wounded Warriors. So they'll they'll get some Christmas cheer as well by surprise. Excellent. Fisher House. Excellent. That's what I was thinking of. Fisher House.
1: Fisher House? Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and if you're going to do this
2: again next year, then... Uh, oh, we'll do it again and- next year. Well, I hope we don't have to. I would hope everyone is home back in the states, but you know how that goes <laughs> we you know, right I as think long that, as there's kids uh, over there we'll be doing it
1: yeah I, I i i certainly hope so too but but I would think that uh that for them to be home before next christmas they, they it would already have to be it would already have to be a deal that's already that's already been set now yeah you know they don't they don't they don't move fast one way or the other so it would it would need to be something that's done anyway if if it does end up that they're there and you do it again uh maybe there's some way that uh you know that the rest of us can get involved I know that my wife is a uh a teacher at the school here and I'm sure that the school would be happy to uh to get involved with the making the cards and stuff for to put in the packages for the troops and and maybe they can uh you know in some way get involved and I'm sure that there are other people out there listening to this right now that uh that would certainly uh be willing to help in some way so if there's anything that we can do uh because I imagine you probably you're probably gonna have to start on it pretty early right
2: yeah we uh we actually start getting everything geared up in uh july and and august and really start getting things in place and and getting drop-off points and getting things set up and everything uh, in September. And then normally about September 15th, we run hard and heavy all the way from then all the way up to uh, uh, 1st of December, whenever our our shipping day is. And uh, so it's a few months, and it's kind of fun because we we ran that. uh, I was, like I said, I left out of here, uh, well, I did final pickups in southeast New Mexico on Monday, and Teresa and I sorted everything and got like items all in bags and everything and loaded up the truck uh, Tuesday morning and uh, headed out, and then I got back late last night, and so I'm recouping and doing a few things here, and then uh, this weekend we got the apple seed in Roswell, so (laughs) we're going to have a full line running up there. Well, excellent. Excellent.
1: Well, listen. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you so much for for taking the time and effort to do that because uh, because it does mean a lot. I know that there are other folks doing different things and stuff around the nation, but uh, but you've certainly done your part. To uh... well,
2: it's 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 like I said, Scott. I'm the flunky in the middle. It's the other apple seeders out there that you know sent cards and sent. Money and sent a- the names in the APOs are the most important things because without those, the whole project is a wash. And uh, you know, I know there's some apple seeders out there that got on the website and um, got names and APOs in because we jumped from when you and I were on the air the last time. Uh, we were setting it about uh, I think it was like 13 or 1400 names and APOs, and by the weekend. Of that, we were up close to two thousand.
1: Excellent. So
2: it it, you know how apple cedars are. You tell someone, and it tells someone, and it tells someone, and it gets around. And uh, I'm I'm just happy. It was twenty five hundred plus boxes. So uh, and we had forty eight K uh, nine boxes that went out. And uh, those those are beyond. Those are the you know not counted in twenty five hundred. Those are separate. So, That's for the dogs, right? That's for the dogs, yep, and uh, they got all kinds of toys and pig's ears and all kinds of stuff like that, so it, it's, I just love it, you know. Uh, Appleseed takes up about uh, 11 months of the year, and I've got one that's thrown right there hard and heavy in the middle of it that's just for Christmas for our troops. So it all works out in the end, my friend, and I want to thank you and everybody else on Appleseed for making it such a great success again this year. Wow. Well,
1: once again, thanks and uh, thanks to all of your your extended crew, all the folks that, uh, that that volunteered and came to help you, the the school kids and and your staff and all the rest of the folks who are involved in this because I, I know it wasn't just you, but without you, they would have just been a gaggle. So, uh, so thanks to you and uh, for what you're doing for the troops, and then thanks for what you're doing for uh, the Applebee project.
2: Oh, I just love it. I I have to thank your co-host for getting me involved in Appleseed so many years ago.
0: And,
2: uh, <laughs> needless yeah. to say, sometimes when you're talking to him off the air, uh, he can explain to you just how much of a pain in the butt I can be at times. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that's that's all of us, so. <laughs> Well, thanks again. And, uh, and I
2: thank you, boss, and, and I thank all the apple seeders out there that, that pitched in and got us the names and the APOs and, and helped out because, I, you know, we could see in the numbers, you know, after that conversation that we had, the numbers jumped, and uh, there wasn't anything else that, that did it. So, again, I want to thank you and everybody else, and we'll just wait and see what kind of mail we get from our kids over there.
1: All right. Well, be sure thank and let you, us sir. know, okay? I will, boss. All right. Take care.
2: Take care. Thank you.
1: All right. <clears throat> well, he did a great job with uh, with putting together and listen that the list of things that uh, that uh, that they were that they put on there was a uh, huge. So uh, it was a great. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting one of those. <laughs> I'd, I would not mind getting one of those packages. Uh, so they did a great job and and thanks to all the folks that uh that donated stuff Uh, i know that smith and wesson did but i I know that uh, a lot of other uh companies also donated stuff i think remington i think you said remington donated the rim oil and stuff and uh, uh somebody donated uh boar snakes and and then there was beef jerky and candy and toothbrushes and everything else so there was a lot of uh, a lot of effort that went into this, and uh, so 2,500 other folks that are stationed over there uh, are going to get something in the mail. They're going to get something
2: uh, for
1: Christmas, and that's uh, like I said before. Uh, it seems kind of silly that you would that uh, that you that somebody makes a big deal about getting something in the mail because nowadays there's. Uh there's email and all the electronic stuff and phone calls and everything else. but you know <clears throat> I'm telling you that uh that actually getting something physical in the mail uh when you're overseas is a very important uh event all right <clears throat> so thank you to uh uh Jimmy and his crew and all of the uh the hundreds if not thousands of folks involved in that and we'll be looking forward to. Uh, if our troops are there next year, then uh, there shouldn't be any reason that uh, we can't get involved in helping them out. Uh, maybe uh, Appleseed can uh, <coughs> can donate uh, uh, something else besides uh, the uh, the AQTs and stuff. Maybe we can figure out something else that we can donate to the folks. <coughs> uh, maybe some free certificates. I, I know that. Uh, the troops are going free, but uh, maybe uh uh you know maybe they when they get back they want uh somebody to come with them so I don't know what something we can figure out something that uh, some way that we can help or maybe we can get uh, uh we can donate some uh some money to help it uh there's certainly some way that we can we can help out with the folks, and I'm sure that we'll figure it out by then <coughs> all right uh. We've got a few more minutes. we've probably got uh, another seven or eight minutes if, you, if anybody wants to call in uh with any other news or any comments or questions and stuff we'll keep the switchboard open three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero uh let me add let, one last thing to the uh, to the uh shooting the shooting and standing advice that I gave her uh, there is. there is a uh, uh a procedure there is a, uh, a a technique called tactical breathing all right and uh, uh i don't know uh, i don't know who named this uh i know that i read it uh in the grossman books uh the uh, colonel grossman uh I read it in uh, in several of his books. Uh, he has uh, several books out, and uh, the two latest ones I read uh, were on killing and on combat. <clears throat> and uh, for those of you who haven't read uh, Colonel Grossman's books, on killing is not a like a primer. All right, it's not like the old uh, Fairbairn Sykes uh, book that you used to get out of uh, Soldier of Fortune magazine uh on killing is actually a treatise on on the the act of it on what it uh, what it actually means and uh uh why it happens and what happens to the person that's doing it the mindset and everything else the physical act uh, and it's mainly uh uh from the perspective of law enforcement and uh the American military, and it's a very interesting book anyway <clears throat> the uh tactical Breathing actually fits in perfectly with what we do when you're in your prep period and we when we talk to you in ay, we also talk to you about the rifleman's bubble,
0: and that is
1: when you start uh when you start closing down your focus and you start eliminating external stimuli and you're you're getting to the point where you're eliminating every single other thing in your life uh in this day that you're shooting other than yourself your rifle and your target you're not thinking about uh the uh the last course of fire you went through you're not thinking about uh, that you need to go to the bathroom or that it's hot or that you're hungry uh, or that uh, your mortgage is due next week. You're not thinking about anything, cause any of those things, because none of that matters to you at that point. It doesn't matter how many millions of rounds you've fired up to this point. All of them are meaningless. If you just fired your last round, if it went to the dirt six foot in front of you, you're not going to be uh, gritting your teeth and be all tensed up about that last round, about how angry you are about that last round because there's absolutely nothing in the world you can do about that. There's no way you can ever change what has previously happened. The only thing you can do is decide to uh, – the only thing that you can have any effect on the shot you're about to fire that's the only thing that uh that should be in your mind in your uh inside your rifleman's bubble is you yourself your rifle and the shot you're about to fire that's the only thing you have any control over at that moment there's nothing else in your whole life there is nothing that you can do about anything right at that particular second other than the shot you're about to fire. All right? And usually I'll joke with the folks and I'll tell them I, uh, that uh your focus should be so concentrated that uh that uh say the guy the person next to you is firing a 308 and uh, that round gets ejected during the course of fire and that uh it comes over and it lands in your neck and your neck is slightly moist and and that round sticks to your neck, and uh, it's sitting there sizzling, and your hair catches on fire, and the the people around you are, are screaming in horror. Uh, there are flames shooting up from your head. But to you, it's meaningless because the only thing that you're allowing to enter into your mind at that point is your rifle your target and the round you're about to fire that's the only thing that's inside your rifleman's bubble all right now how do you get to that point well this is where tactical breathing can really uh assist you now tactical breathing is one of the things that uh that are used by law enforcement by military and it's a way to actually break the uh to break the control down and to eliminate uh, a lot of the external stimuli and even internal stimuli, mental uh, uh, stuff that's going on mentally and allowing you to regain control and regain focus. And the way that you're going to do this is you're going to breathe in on a four count. one, two, three. Four. Now you're going to hold it for a four count. One, two, three, four. Now you're going to exhale on a four count. One, two, three, four. Now at the bottom of your cycle, you're going to hold that for a four count. One, two, three, four. And you're going to repeat this again. Breathe in on a four count. Hold it for a four count. Exhale on a four count. Pause for a four count. And then you can repeat that again. Now, what this does is it it, uh, it allows folks. Uh, uh, like there have been many cases where uh, officers have uh, they've been preparing to to go into a hostile situation, and they're getting ready to open, bust down the door. And they're they're excited, they're nervous, they're uh, you know their pucker factor is really high, and they have used this technique. To instill a calmness and a focus before they go through the door. There are other cases of folks who have just been in a shooting, or they're in the middle of a shooting, uh, and they uh, they have used this technique to refocus. And the the fact that it works is undisputable. All right, it works. <clears throat> so I think this is a perfect uh, place to use the tactical breathing is when you're in your prep period right before you're getting ready to go in your course of fire. Now I have uh I would I was doing something similar to that before I learned about tactical breathing and I called it over breathing. Now I still think you should do over breathing, but you can do it at the same time you're doing your tactical breathing. You can use your tactical breathing to do it. <clears throat> what I used to tell folks is that <clears throat> uh when you're in your prep period that you're going to be breathing, you're going to be taking deeper breaths, not faster ones because we don't want you to hyperventilate, but you're going to be taking deeper breaths so that you're flooding your your blood with oxygen. You're putting a lot of oxygen in your blood so that you're not going to be looking for oxygen during the course of fire. This is especially important in stage two where you are in the seated position and you have your diaphragm is uh, obstructed by having your organs pushed up into it in the seated position. All right, so you're going to be doing your tactical breathing and you're going to be taking a deep breath in. And this is going to help you focus and it's going to make sure that you have oxygen, uh, that your blood is oxygenated, all right? So uh, during your prep period, you have uh, determined your natural point of aim You've shifted it onto the target, you've locked it down, and then you're going to be doing your tactical breathing. As you're doing your tactical breathing, you can be rehearsing how you're going to make the shot. Your tactical breathing is going to help you focus. It's going to oxygenate your blood. And then you're going to be rehearsing what you're going to do in that particular stage, whether it's standing, seated, or prone. You're rehearsing it so that you then have immediate muscle memory that's going to carry you through the course of fire as soon as you get the fire command. Okay, guys. <clears throat> uh, we'll be looking for you. Uh, we're at the end of the show. We'll be looking for you uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Until then, uh guys have a good week, and uh, God bless and keep you all, all right? Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week at... Uh, 7 p.m. Central
0: Time.